H Adders, join me and the professor in the world of AI at Uplimit and YU Global's courses, where theory meets action. Experience a hands-on learning journey using chatbots to solidify your skills throughout the courses. Perfect for every learner, from beginners to advanced, our diverse range of courses ensures there's something for everyone. Uplimit combines self-paced learning with live seminars and office hours while YU Global offers comprehensive asynchronous study with support when you need it. Both grant prestigious certificates upon completion. Save 10% with code AIFORALL in all caps in the number 4 for Uplimit courses and 20% with SYNAPTIC20 for YU Global courses. Start your path to AI exploration today. Enroll now at synapticlabs.ai slash courses. Welcome, human, to a chat with ChatGPT. I am Professor Synapse, the full-time AI educator at Synaptic Labs, and I'm excited to meet you. Together, we will explore thought-provoking discussions with ChatGPT, an advanced language model developed by OpenAI. Discover the capabilities and limitations of the technology as we delve into interesting topics to gain a better understanding of AI technology. Enjoy the show. I've decided to turn our blog into a podcast. What do you think about that, ChatGPT? As a language model AI, I don't have personal opinions or feelings, but I can tell you that turning a blog into a podcast can be a great way to reach a new audience and provide them with content in a different format. Podcasts are becoming increasingly popular, and they provide an opportunity for you to reach people who may not have the time or inclination to read a blog. However, it's important to keep in mind that podcasting is a different medium than writing, and you'll need to adapt your content and delivery style to be effective in this new format. You also need to be mindful of the technical aspects of podcasting, such as recording equipment and editing software. Overall, if you're passionate about your topic and willing to put in the effort to create a high-quality podcast, I think it could be a great decision. Since we're turning this into a podcast, I'd really prefer from now on if you keep your answers short and concise and your tone should be more conversational rather than technical or professional. Sounds great. I'm happy to adjust my responses to fit the new format of your podcast. I'll do my best to keep my answers short and engaging and to have a more conversational tone. Let me know if there's anything specific you'd like me to focus on. Sure, we can adapt as we go along. You're my co-host on the podcast, so I'm wondering if you can recommend any interesting topics about ChatGPT we can discuss. Sure. Here are a few interesting topics related to OpenAI's GPT-3, how GPT-3 works and what makes it unique compared to other language models, the potential applications of GPT-3 in industries such as customer service, content creation, and language translation, the ethical and societal implications of AI language models like GPT-3, such as issues related to bias and accountability. The future of AI language models and where the technology is headed. Let's pick one and start the discussion. Let's start with number one. You are definitely unique, no question there. Can you talk a little bit about how your language model works exactly? Sure. I'm a language model developed by OpenAI. I was trained on a massive dataset of text from the internet, which included a wide variety of topics and styles of writing. This training allows me to generate text that is similar to the text I was trained on. The way I work is by predicting the next word in a sentence given the previous words. So, for example, if you start with the sky is, 
I would generate the next word based on the patterns I learned from my training data. This process is repeated until I reach the end of the text I'm generating, which could be a single word, a short phrase, or a longer piece of text. The model uses deep learning techniques, specifically a type of neural network called a transformer network, to make these predictions. The network is made up of many layers of artificial neurons, each of which uses the outputs of the previous layer to make its own predictions. This allows the model to capture the relationships between words and phrases in the input text, and generate text that is more natural and coherent. So that's a quick overview of how I work. I hope that helps to clarify things. There's still a lot of text in that response, I think. But it's all super interesting stuff. Maybe so you don't have to try to fit everything in a short explanation, you can break your answers up into smaller parts and let me ask more questions to go deeper. Sure. I can try to break my answers up into smaller pieces and answer additional questions you have for more clarity and detail. That way, we can cover the information you're interested in without overwhelming the listeners. Great. I'd like to hear more about the actual size of the dataset you were trained on and what types of things are actually included in it. Sure. The dataset that I was trained on, called the Common Crawl Corpus, was enormous, consisting of billions of words of text. This text came from a wide range of sources, including websites, books, and other forms of written content. The data was pre-processed and filtered to remove low-quality content, and then used to train me. Some of the things that are included in the dataset are news articles, Wikipedia articles, fiction and non-fiction books, and other written content from various sources. The goal was to have a diverse and broad range of text, so that I could be trained to understand and generate text on a wide range of topics. I've never heard of the Common Crawl Corpus. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? The Common Crawl Corpus is a large-scale, open-source dataset that contains billions of web pages collected from the internet. The data is collected and processed by the Common Crawl Foundation, a nonprofit organization that makes the data available for research and development purposes. The Common Crawl Corpus is one of the largest sources of unstructured web data, and it provides a wealth of information about the structure and content of the internet. This dataset was one of the sources used to train GPT-3, and it contains a diverse range of web pages, including news articles, forums, blogs, and more. By using such a large and diverse data source, language models like GPT-3 can better capture the patterns and relationships between words and phrases, allowing them to generate more natural-sounding responses. How are the texts chosen to be part of the Common Crawl Corpus? Or can people just upload whatever they want? The Common Crawl Corpus is a snapshot of the internet that's created by crawling billions of web pages. The pages are selected based on various criteria, such as their popularity, the type of content they contain, and the diversity of the sources from which they are taken. The goal of the Common Crawl Corpus is to provide a representative sample of the internet, so that it can be used as a resource for a variety of tasks, such as language modeling, web search, and data mining. The texts included in the corpus are not chosen based on individual preferences, but rather to reflect the overall makeup of the internet at the time of the crawl. But the crawl was designed by people, so is it truly random? If it isn't, what are the parameters that were chosen by the designers to follow? The common crawl corpus is not entirely random, as the selection of web pages to be included in the crawl is guided by certain criteria. The Common Crawl Foundation, which maintains the corpus, aims to include a representative sample of the web, which means that it seeks to cover a diverse range of websites and content, including different languages, geographies, and topics. To achieve this, the Common Crawl team employs a combination of breadth-first and focused crawling strategies. 
Breadth first crawling involves starting from a large number of seed URLs and then following the links from each page to other pages to build a large, diverse set of web pages. Focused crawling involves You're using talking too much again. Sorry about that. To summarize, the Common Crawl Corpus is a collection of web pages gathered through a web crawl, which is a systematic and automated way of visiting multiple pages on the internet. The crawl is designed to be representative of the publicly accessible web, but it's not a completely random sample. The designers of the crawl have established some parameters for the crawl, such as which websites to include and how frequently to revisit them, in order to ensure that the corpus reflects the overall content of the web. That's much better. Thanks for summing it up. So your designers use this massive data set of billions of texts and websites. You talked about how your model uses deep learning techniques called a transformer network with artificial neurons. Sounds a lot like how a brain works. Is the way you process language similar to how a human does? Not exactly. Although my training data includes billions of texts and websites, and I use deep learning techniques modeled after the human brain, the way I process language is still different from how a human does it. Humans have the ability to understand context, sarcasm, and emotions, which is challenging for AI models like me to capture. I rely on patterns in the data I was trained on to generate responses, while humans have the ability to use their experiences and imagination to generate responses. However, researchers in the field of AI are actively working on developing more advanced models that can better understand and replicate human-like language processing. Then, tell me more about how your neural network differs. Is there a metaphor you can share for how you process and learn so you have predictive language capabilities? Not exactly. Yes, there's a good metaphor I can share. Think of the neural network as a teacher and the data it was trained on as textbooks. Just like a teacher reads textbooks to learn and get information, the neural network processes the text data and learns patterns and relationships between words, phrases and sentences. However, unlike a human teacher, the neural network has many more neurons and layers, which allows it to store and process much more information, and perform many more computations, much faster than a human can. The neural network uses this vast store of information to generate responses, just like a teacher would use their knowledge to answer questions. The key difference is that the neural network can generate responses based on much more information, and much more complex relationships, than a human can. I know as an AI you don't have the ability to humble brag, but you totally humble bragged. Haha, <laughs> I apologize if my previous answer came across that way. As a language model, I was designed to generate human-like text based on patterns I've learned from the data I was trained on, but I don't have consciousness, emotions or personal opinions. I simply respond based on the probabilities of the patterns I've learned, which I calculate and use to generate text. How many neurons and layers do you have? I have 175 billion parameters in my transformer network, which includes many artificial neurons. The exact number of neurons would be difficult to determine, but what is important to note is that I have multiple layers of these artificial neurons that allow me to process and analyze the data I was trained on in order to generate text. How many neurons are in a human brain? The human brain is estimated to have about 100 billion neurons, although the exact number can vary between individuals. Each neuron can be connected to many other neurons through specialized structures called synapses, forming a complex network that is thought to be responsible for our cognitive abilities such as perception, thought, and memory. Wow, so you have almost double. I know it's not the same, but it definitely puts it into context. Yes, the number of neurons in a language model like GPT-3 is quite different from the number of neurons in a human brain, 
but the comparison helps to give a sense of the scale and complexity of these models. However, it's important to note that despite their size, language models like GPT-3 are still limited in many ways compared to human intelligence, and there is much that they do not know or understand. Thanks for all the juicy details, ChatGPT. Um, I think we're going to wrap this one up, but let's continue our conversation. So we'll see you guys in part two. What a fascinating conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Chat with ChatGPT, a production of Synaptic Labs. Learn more about accessible and equitable AI technology on our website, synapticlabs.ai. You can also follow us on Instagram at Synaptic Labs or TikTok at Chatting with ChatGPT. See you next time.